0: Yes uh, I think the most the most ever uh, and ever before forty nine questions some are in categories, and so I just do what I can. I'm not apologizing there's nothing to apologize for if I can't answer the question, but I'm just' am acknowledging I'll do the best that I can. Following the Lord's leading in the sense among us in fellowship. And for those that uh, are in a meeting like this for the first time, there's a reason I call it Q&R, question and response, rather than question and answer. Because I don't have answers for almost everything and anything that is brought into fellowship. Only, only have answers concerning questions of truth. If the answers have been revealed in the word of God and have been clearly presented by the ministry of the age, then I can answer and it's not simply a response. But as usual, most of the questions somewhat personal, but our personal life, our church life, our Christian life, our feelings and concerns that we have. And so I'm simply responding as your brother. This is in fellowship. Please don't receive anything as a requirement, as a, a commandment. This is fellowship. If it doesn't ring true in you, set it aside. If it doesn't apply to you, let it go. If it might be somewhat helpful to you, consider it before the Lord. And um, I will. Some of the questions—it's not because they're not important, but a very short, even succinct response may be sufficient for now. And so I begin with a leftover question from the brothers' meeting yesterday. And this can be answered maybe in just, or responded to, in just 47 seconds. Maybe only 43. The question, knowing that the Lord's return is imminent, are there clues to who the Antichrist might be? Do we see events happening right now that might give an indication to us who we might be? As far as I know, there are no signs. There is no indicators at all. And I just refuse to use imagination. Uh, There has to be the change in the Temple Mount. There has to be the change in the European situation. A powerful leader has to be rising up. But we don't see that. And so there are no indicators that we can identify at present. Okay, now we come to a big cluster of questions under the category pandemic problems. Uh, in person, in meetings, in Zoom. And before I begin to respond to these I owe it to you to let you know where I am personally. Because we all have a kind of personal feeling and an outlook and a way we're taking about this. And so I'm the same. I have, uh, I want you to know just where I am to the extent to which I know where I am. At the end of January last year, 2020. My wife and I were first in Malaysia and we learned from a doctor brother there about this virus that was coming out of China and it was spreading. And then we spent about a week in Singapore and there we saw many families from the mainland of China there wearing masks and the brothers there were aware that um, this virus is spreading, and and our return flight was to go through a city in China, but I had the feeling not to go that way, and the brothers helped me arrange a flight directly from Singapore to Los Angeles. Then, when I found out about it, and my wife and I were sharing and considering, I did whatever study I could, and I realized. Uh, two things one is that it seems that the elderly people are more vulnerable so i need to take this in consideration because i'm in that age group and then i made with the full strength of my will in oneness with the lord i made a decision i will not be ruled and controlled by fear Because it was clear to me, this is kind of looking ahead. Fear is going to govern almost the entire earth. And people will panic. They will be unreasonable. Because fear rules. And so my understanding of the situation now is... Uh, as it relates to the questions that are here, we know in our country, I think it's accurate to say, but it's all right if you have a different view. The whole thing has been politicized. And where I am personally, I'm not advocating this view. I no longer trust anything Fauci says. There are other sources of getting accurate information. And I can always interact with our dear brother Rick Scatterday and some others to get a reliable view of the update. And so personally, I felt after some months, it's a wise thing for me to do to get the vaccine. I got Moderna, you know, in the two steps. And now, because of my age, they're going to boost, boost the boosters, whatever, and maybe I'll get another one. But my faith is not in the vaccine. Now, here we come to uh, the church, and also a couple, another matter. It's this whole thing of mandates, and on the one hand, we honor what Paul teaches us. In Romans 13, that there's a power established, it has authority, we need to honor it, we need to obey it, within a certain range. But we cannot blindly follow everything. The believers in the first century, in the Roman Empire, they were demanded to go to a temple, offer some incense, and then declare Caesar is Lord. And they could not. And they would not do it. So many of them were killed. And so there are many things. At least I just have to let you know where I am. Uh, where I'm serving a living stream. They supplied mass for the serving ones. And then recently, because of the, the Delta variant, they just required those, if you're in the building to wear a mask. And then I contacted the officer brothers and I said, you see this mask I'm showing you. I showed it to Rick. I asked him, does it work? He said, no. Many of the masks do not. And I searched to find one. If I'm going to wear one, I'm going to wear an effective one. So I bought some NK-95s. And so this is just where I am. Regarding this. And my feeling is. As a brother. And as a fellow human being. That the human beings. They should have the right. To make decisions concerning their health. They should be able to do that. And therefore. I want to refer to how the elders in Anaheim addressed the situation in the beginning. And this is March of last year. This is what they said. To me, it was really wisdom that if you have any symptoms that are related to this virus, any at all, please stay home for your sake, for the sake of the saints. And also, if you have been exposed closely to someone who has the virus, then please stay away for a period of time. But since then, there has not been some kind of particular requirement. Of course, we're not meeting altogether. Now, some of the main questions are concerning this. And I'm not surprised and I'm not criticizing when I point out the questions are not merely questions. They're the expressions of feelings and opinions. And it's hard not to have a feeling and an opinion. It's just that we shouldn't push it. We shouldn't insist on it. This is what we feel. This is what we think. This is honest fellowship. But here's one question. Some of the local churches have started to meet in a hybrid way. With some in person and some on Zoom. Sometimes the ones who are on Zoom are made to feel left out. What do you mean made to feel? Who is doing this? You may feel left out. Are the brothers making you feel that way? Second class? I don't know. And are less important than the ones in person. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. There is pressure. For everyone to come back. Even though each one has his own situation. I can see the enemy potentially using this to create a wedge. Or subtle division based on how we meet if we are not one with the Lord in how we treat the saints and how this matter is handled. And so again, I'm, I'm speaking from the only point of view I have, which is mine as a brother. It is the elders or the leading brothers in each of the local churches who will make the decisions under the headship of Christ. Concerning meetings in person. And or with meetings on Zoom. I respect and honor the decision. Of the leading brothers in every church. This is their responsibility. Now there's another aspect. Of this Zoom uh, viewing of meetings some get worn out by it they're on zoom and they work now they have to zoom in for the meetings some prefer it oh even there was an announcement of a gospel meeting on zoom and a brother should have known better he said oh it's it's so much simpler. We don't have to have chairs. We don't have to come to a meeting place. We can be on Zoom. Well. Let's look at something very basic. Of what the church is. The basic. Definition. Of the church. The Greek word. "ekklesia," The called out ones. Is an assembly. A local church. By its nature. Is the assembly of the believers in that locality. Anything other than that is abnormal. It may be necessary. But it's abnormal. And so. If the elders, the leading brothers in Church X decides. From now on, on the Lord's day. We will have the Lord's table together in our meeting hall, and we will not require masks, and we will not require social distancing. Or they may say, wear masks, or we'll have social distancing. And by the way, just a little footnote can anyone Demonstrate to me the scientific basis for the six feet distancing. There isn't one. But we're told that it is. And if I go into a store like Walgreens to get some medicine, I'll stand in line. Six feet apart. They've even had the, the foot symbols on the floor. This is where you stand. I'm not going to protest that, but I don't believe a lot of this stuff. And so, I'm going to really open up one point now, a hope I have, for the church in Anaheim. That the time will come, and I just will trust the brothers, they will announce all the church meetings will be in person. There will be no more Zoom. Attendance. We may photograph. We may videotape the meetings. The saints can see them later. Or they may continue with hybrid. Whatever they decide. Now please listen carefully. I will honor. And I will obey. But personally. Before the Lord. I'll have to decide. How I will. Live according to that. If the brothers say. We will now start meeting in districts. In the meeting halls. And we want you to be six feet apart. We want you to wear the masks. I don't know how we'll pass the elements. Then I'll have no problem with that. But I will stay home. Probably. I will stay home. I won't say anything contrary to it. I won't criticize it. I won't gossip about it. I would just say, I just want to wait until we're somewhat normal. That's just where I am right now. And so the saints, this is somewhat of a test for everybody. There is a government in the churches. There is an administration in the churches. And we have to be careful about what the brothers decide and what they decide and how they intend to work it out because they've been, had, they've been having much prayer, fellowship before the Lord, maybe consulting our doctor brothers like Rick Scatterday. What are some of your recommendations? We differ in different parts of the country. In Columbia, South Carolina, a week ago today, they all came together in the meeting hall. No masks, no social distancing. They had the Lord's table. They 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 listened to the last message from the Thanksgiving training. Then they have a love feast. But not in California, not in California, where the governor says churches cannot meet. But it's okay if we allow thousands of people to squeeze together when they're protesting and rioting and burning down buildings and throwing firebombs at the police. Oh, we're not bothered that they might give virus to each other. Well, this is where we live. And so, uh, this person is right. If vaccination is made an issue, the enemy will use it to divide. I had to have fellowship with some co-workers in Germany because one person who was just violently anti-vaccine was just... Spreading his feeling and demanding something. This is satanic. And it can be the other way around. We have to live to the Lord in this matter and honor the government of the church. Let's just say the brothers in Anaheim decided we want to have. Uh, Morning Revival, uh, Monday through Friday, in various districts, at 5.30 a.m. I will not protest, I will not disagree, I will not criticize, but I will not be able to get up and be dressed and showered and shaved and at a meeting by 5.30 A.M. in the morning. But I'm not going to point a finger at the brothers and criticize them. I'll just say, I'm not able to do it. My body won't let me do it. Okay. So I hope you're getting the point. I'm trying to make the point on the two sides of it. Honor and respect the eldership in the churches. This is not easy situation for the brothers. To handle all this. And we have to bring to the Lord our feelings. Some say one question is. Oh they're pressuring me. Well who is pressuring you? I find it hard to believe. That any of the leading brothers. In your part of the earth. Is putting pressure on anyone. In their church. To do this or that. I just can't believe it. The brothers are not like that. But there may be some saints that are not mature. They may things like this. And now here's a similar matter uh, about. This shows a strong feeling. The pandemic is very real. Many saints have died because of it. Yet in certain Bay Area localities, the saints are meeting in person. Without the proper government-mandated social distancing or mask, masking or cleansing protocol, some travel on the plane and the next day go to the physical meeting. meeting. So this saint feels you shouldn't do that. If you're a brother and you were on a a ministry trip and you came back Saturday evening, you shouldn't be allowed to come to the meeting. Doesn't matter if you've been vaccinated. Doesn't matter if you check negative. Doesn't matter if you have the best mask there is in the universe. You have been on a plane. This is just downright fleshy opinion. If a brother who's been on that plane and has some reason to consider I might have picked up something, then right away he decides. I'm not going to expose this to anybody. There's one locality that for their high school meeting, they were going to start the high schoolers meet together for a while uh, now in person. But then someone required that all of them, whether 14 up, they have to be vaccinated. If those brothers would take another step and require the saints to be vaccinated before they can come together, they have abandoned the ground of the church. They are now the church of the vaccinated. That is what we have to avoid. And that is why I have so much trust in the brothers in Anaheim. That they're very wise And what they ask the saints to follow. If there's any symptom. Many of those where they're working. Where they, uh, they may not have the vaccine. They are checked every week. And they get a negative test. It's a fact. It is just a downright fact. That if we're vaccinated. We can still have the virus. And we can still transmit the virus. But somehow many think fully trust in vaccine. That makes me immune. I'm untouchable. Well, it's more complicated than that. And our dear, faithful, loving brothers are aware of this. And they are fellowshipping. They're bringing this to the Lord. And when it comes down to it, let me simplify what I've been trying to say. On the one hand, let's honor and respect. The decision of the brothers and not criticize and not gossip and not judge and not try to correct. Then, on the personal side, just to ask the Lord, What should I do in my situation? I feel personally I shouldn't meet in person yet. Then just be at peace. There's still the hybrid arrangement. No one is forcing you to do anything, but we shouldn't make our condition the standard for others. Here is one question: I have an autoimmune disease, and in our locality, we're conducting hybrid meetings. I have noticed that some saints are wearing masks ineffectively—masks that are not covering. Their mouth or their nose. Some take it off their nose. Because they can't breathe. They can't read. The the lenses of their. I'm not justifying it. I'm just explaining it. I have the desire to meet in person. But I am concerned that the saints. Are not taking the necessary precautions. Which could affect. My. Health. Should Should I. Proceed. In meeting in person, this is the self making itself the center the way it's expressed, whether you can just say, "This is what the saints are doing, this is the arrangement, but in my personal situation, I don't think I can fit into them, but why judge others over it? This is a serious mistake, dear saints. Now uh, I don't know what else to say. Oh, he, here is uh, an unusual question, but I think it's significant. Why are churches pushing saints to meet in person? Okay, where are the where are the where are the pushing churches? I don't know of any pushing churches. That's in the church news. The pushing has begun. But there may be this or that person, in the way they express themselves, are pushing. But churches are not pushing, generally speaking, to meet in person when LSM is holding conferences and training online. So now they're comparing it to a semi-annual training meeting. With 4,500 saints in the ministry conference center. Well, there's there's quite a practical reason why we don't gather 4,500 together. I don't know how many would want to come when we open it again to the whole earth. We may have 5,000 in there. That's an entirely different realm to compare your church with the large number that are in the seven feasts. Again. Uh, simply do what you have the life and peace to do. Let's live out Revelation, oh, sorry, Romans 14. Concerning different kinds of food. He who eats meat, let him eat to the Lord. He who does not eat, let him not eat to the Lord. He who keeps this day holy, let him do it to the Lord. If he does not, let him do it to the Lord. Can, can we not say if someone is vaccinated and feels this is the proper thing to do and would gently reckon, uh, encourage others to do the same, they're living to the Lord. If someone says, I'm concerned about the unknown long-term effects, I'm concerned about the people of smart number who have died, I already, it turned out, I had the virus. I've got a lot of protection, uh, whatever it is. Then why cannot that person live as much to the Lord as the vaccinated one? This is on the personal side. Again, on the church side, I'm, I'm repeating this for a reason. We are in a kingdom. The church is the kingdom of God in practicality. And we are all under the throne of the kingdom. And the authority of the kingdom. (coughs) Is represented by the leading brothers. It flows through them in church matters. And so we should be careful how we touch this. And as I said before. We have a proper spirit of obedience. Of submission. This is what the, the church is doing. Amen to the brothers. And then as I mentioned to my about myself personally, if you feel before the Lord, my personal situation, I feel it's too risky for me, then just be at peace. But I have to add another point to this, kind of a footnote. I would suggest this. Ask, ask this question before the Lord. Regarding this whole matter. What is ruling you? Who is ruling you? That's why I said. I will not be ruled. By fear. There is no fear. In the new Jerusalem. In the kingdom of God. There is wise protection. That is practical wisdom according to God. But to be driven by fear, the enemy can manipulate you any way he wants. I think this is all I can say in response. Uh, It took quite a bit of energy. I had to just set this part aside. It was not easy. I know it's not adequate. But at least I was straightforward with you. I presented something for you to consider. And I say again. Honor the church. And honor the Lord. Whom you love and whom you serve. And don't make an issue of it. And eventually the Lord will have a way to go on. And now some Questions concerning prayer and praying. This is that category. And I'm not going to take the time to read this very good question, but it's a few hundred words in length. The essence of it is what is the way to pray for God's need to recover the earth and the age? gain the man child and about the world situation. And then this I would put together with the question, what does it mean to pray prayers that are not prayers? How can we be sure that our prayers are genuine prayers? Then I come back to, how do we pray about the world situation? I'm so glad this question is brought forth. Personally, I'm kind of dispirited and weary of just getting one week after another a list of so many outward things related to the church life. And some dear saints, I'm not against lists. I don't want to give a misunderstanding. But then there are saints now in small groups praying on Zoom. Their concept is we just pray down the list. Whether we have any feeling, any leading, any anointing, this is what we're supposed to pray. And if someone has a burden to pray about the Lord's recovery, for for example, in Ethiopia, there's a civil war that's threatening so many hundreds of saints, especially young people there, and the Lord's recovery there. And so a sister offers a prayer, and others are silent. This is not not on the list. The world situation is not on the list. Do you see it? Not on the list. And so this utterance, prayers that are not prayers, comes from Brother Nee, used in a very practical way by Brother Lee. What does it mean? Well, apparently it's a prayer. Someone is sitting there and is speaking something to God and making a request to God. So everyone would say, that's a prayer. Well, in form it is, but according to God, it's not. Why? Because the source of that prayer is the natural mind and the natural emotion and opinion in the soul. And, and many, there was one sister in a meeting once, a one-hour meeting, with about a hundred tenths there, 110 saints there. She prayed 41 times. At least they were short prayers. 41 times. And this is the prayer that is composed by us. You read and study some of Brotherly's hymns, On prayer. And you study some of the basic ministry. On prayer. Genuine prayer. Does not originate. With you and me. It originates. With the interceding Christ. On the throne in the heavens. And he makes known. What is on his heart. What is his burden. He makes it known to us. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done. Because you abide in me and my words make known what's on my heart to pray. And that becomes your prayer. And that prayer, your prayer, is my prayer and therefore I can answer it. Now we come, how do we pray about The pandemic. On at least two levels. Surely on the human level. We're praying for protection of the saints. We're praying for the care of the saints who are seriously ill. Who are. Receiving care in the hospital. We pray for those who have lost loved ones due to this. How can we not. Suffer with them and bear their suffering and pray. And pray for the protection of all the saints in the Lord's recovery. But then there's the other side. That involves the sovereign God and the enemy. This question has been within me and many others for almost two years. Lord God. Sovereign, wise God. Why are you allowing this to happen? Isn't isn't that correct? He's allowing it to happen. He knows it's happening. And who is the source? Or what is the source? It's not God. Our God is the God of life. So the source is the enemy. And we don't fully know his intention. And we don't have to fully know when we pray. We can say, Lord, we have the burden to pray concerning this world pandemic. And Father God, we honor your authority, your sovereignty, your wisdom. Whatever you are trying to do to try to gain. Through this situation, we say amen to you. We disagree with you because we love you. We trust you. We're one with you. Your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts so far above our thoughts. But surely you're allowing this to happen for some reason. Are you giving us a warning that things will get worse as the end of the age comes? Are you calling people to repent? Which is a principle for certain catastrophes. The Lord is actually speaking to people. Repent or you also will perish. There's some verses about that in Luke 13. Lord, are you trying to make the saints more desperate in their pursuing of you? We can only inquire. But we have the heart and the spirit to say, we are here, one with you, whatever your will and intention are. We are here. And then we need to pray concerning the enemy. What is he after? And I don't claim to know. I'll just share my present, honest feeling. My wife and I have a a prayer companion. In Switzerland. And she has a number of them. In small prayer groups. Marvelous. Along with many other sisters. And not exalting anyone. And we pray. Twice a week. For about 20 or 25 minutes. And we were praying again. Two or three weeks ago. About this situation. And then it began. To enter into my. feeling. The enemy's target is not the human race. This is a universal attack on the Lord's recovery all over the earth. Why? Because what has been shut down? What has stopped? What has been forbidden? What is the enemy trying to do? Now, our wise God is able to do something quite wonderful and has been doing something wonderful in the midst of what the enemy is trying to do. But when it began to become clear to me, this is an attack on the universal body of Christ. The whole recovery needs to rise up and pray the prayers of warfare. The prayers of government. The prayers of authority. The prayers that Brother Nee speaks about. In the book. The the prayer ministry of the church. The prayers that express. Our cooperation with God. Our oneness with the will of God. And the principle of prayer. That God has established is. Is. That in this age he will not act unilaterally. Or to be simple. He will not act alone. He needs people on the earth. To be one with him. To agree with him. And pray what he is praying. And then when we pray this way. He will respond. It was brought to my attention. Maybe a couple years ago. That a saint was reading the life study of Revelation. On uh, chapter 8. And that first part of that chapter. Is about um, another angel referring to Christ. As an a censer with incense. And he's putting the incense in the golden bowls. Which signify the prayers of the saints. And these golden bowls are mentioned in Revelation 5. So we have the prayers of the saints. And now the incense from the incense altar is put in the bowls. And then the Lord offers these prayers to the one on the throne. And there's a powerful reaction. And in the life study message that's related to that chapter, Brother Lee is saying... The time will come when you will pray in a certain way. You can't do it now, although surely he was able to. The world situation will become so desperate that you will pray in a way you've never prayed before with such desperation to call out to God, when will you judge this evil age? When will you come in to deal with the enemy? This is not a bold declaration to God. It's an urgent prayer. And we cannot decide. Oh from now on in the prayer meeting. We're going to pray like this. But I'm beginning to learn. With my counterpart. This is part of our life together. Prayers like this just the two of us living in oneness in harmony and in, in love learning to pray what would happen brothers and sisters if all the married couples were living in harmony and in peace and the brothers were not doing anything to trouble the sister that would keep them from praying if day by day these married couples would pray in the principle of Matthew 18. We are in harmony. This is a vital companion function. And the Lord will give prayers non-stop. All over the earth. Thank the Lord there are different time zones. Non-stop prayers. About all that we shared this morning. About the reality of the body of Christ, about the Gospel of the Kingdom being preached, about the saints growing in life to maturity, about the bride as making herself ready, about the Lord clearing the temple Mount, the Lord beginning the seventieth week of Daniel, all of these require prayers And now one one comment. This is about meetings related to prayer. How it seems to be a lack of prayer in the prayer meetings. The valuable prayer time is used for other things. Well, again, this is a local church matter. And the leading brothers are overseers. They should be aware of what's taking place in the prayer meetings. They're the ones setting the lead. They are the leading sheep. All the rest of us sheep are following them. I personally believe that we may need some kind of intensified training for the whole recovery on the prayer ministry of the church. And I I say this positively, that I believe we're going to enter into a realm of prayer beyond anything we've ever imagined before. We will really pray for the kingdom to come. We will really pray for God's will to be done. And I learn again. Just from the pleasant memories of fellowship. with those faithful brothers in the Northwest. Who for years had the burden to pray. Concerning the Russian speaking world. And some of them started to learn Russian. And the Lord answered their prayers. And the changes that were made in the government. In one year. But three, passed away because of the Lord's response to prayers. Up until now, our prayer meetings mainly have been limiting God. We need to learn to have prayer meetings that release God. I'm referring now to message one from the last Itero. We'll all learn together. I'm no expert. I'm a learner. I want to learn along with you all. And we will advance. And one of the hymns on prayers in our hymnal written by Brother Nee. Prayers that will shake the earth. Shake the heavens. This is all before us. I'm not looking back. Or this is what we were. This is how inadequate we were. We're going on to a plane beyond anything we've ever known. And this is a body matter. And we're going to do this together. Okay. Uh, Anything else on prayer? Okay. Here's a, a question more about following the Lord. It's a sister, a dear sister. She says she is a sister. How do we keep up with the ministry speaking? And get constituted with them. It doesn't seem like the training or conference and matching morning revival is enough. Before we can even digest these words, we move on to the next thing. And I can't even retain most of the nuggets from last year's training. Okay, you and everybody else. So I suggest something. Okay. Did you hear the word suggest? Okay. Okay. It's something I practice and it's helped me a lot. So I suggest. First of all. We are part of the universal body of Christ. And the seven feasts. Release the Lord's word to the whole recovery. And so we need to assimilate. What we can of that. Only the whole body can assimilate all of that. No individual can assimilate all of it. You just get a little bit. That's normal. It's like having coming to a love feast. Do you have to eat some of everything on the table? No. You just take what is good for you and as much as you can take. So don't set a standard for yourself that none of us can reach because it's for the whole body. Then, this is what I suggest. The holy word for morning revival material is it's precious, it's life supplying, it's enlightening. But your personal stage in life is very different from that. What you need personally For love to be perfected in you for your function to be manifested. For you to grow in life. You need a personal. I would say ministry project with the Lord. Now this is what I mean. And you do this as you ponder your daily schedule. So many, many times, I just had the sense, Lord, for my personal need, what book of the Bible should I be in personally? And even now, as a brother in the ministry and one of the workers, Lord, I'm not asking for subject, for messages, for conferences, material for the seven feasts. Lord, it's what I need personally. You know where I am personally. And then I have the leading. And then I consider in my daily schedule. And the energy I have and the responsibilities I have. And maybe just few to several minutes a day. I pursue the Lord. In that book and in the footnotes and the ministry related to that portion. Because I personally need this. There are saints. They asked me to have a kind of training with them throughout much of Europe. We didn't make this public. They knew my burden concerning the third stage of the experience of life. The critical turning point. And then many saints realize that here I am. Now the Lord's bringing me to dealing with the self. Now, there are, there, there's not a message recently on dealing with the self, a conference, a training on that. That's not what's in the seven feasts. That's not in the holy word for morning revival. But this is what I need. The Lord said, I know. So, how about. You just set aside 10 or 15 minutes, according to your schedule, and just pursue this. Don't minimize, little by little, something slow and gradual. That's why I really like, I actually love a kind of subtitle in one of the elders training books. Oh, I really love it. What does it say? The tortoise wins the race. Because with my flat feet, I've been a tortoise my whole life when it comes to running. And in some ways, my disposition is tortoise-like, perhaps. But just to realize, 10 or 15 minutes a day, how much is that in a month? How much is that in a year? How much of that is in 10 years? And the Lord who's the shepherd of your soul. He knows what you need. If you're just not clear. Then seek fellowship. Not just with an older sister or brother. But a maturing. Spiritually maturing. Brother and sister and ask. This, based upon the fellowship, and based upon your, to the extent to which you know me. What do you think I should pursue personally? Then suppose you came to me, and I said, um, "Well, how about the Book of Philippians?" But then there's another brother that I know he has the burden. And the calling from the Lord to serve him with the ministry of the word. And he comes to me. I don't have a list. It comes spontaneously. Brother Ron, what, what should I pursue personally? I said, brother, it's so clear. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Just slowly. Work your way through that book. Your life will be changed. And right now as I'm speaking to you. I don't know if I will have the peace. To share what the book is. It's been months. Months. I've been in one. Epistle. In the New Testament. Again and again. Again. Pray read all the way through, read the footnotes, read all the life studies, all the crystallization studies. Now I'm going through it again, verse by verse, just a little bit every day, because I need it. And the reason why I'm reluctant to to say is that others try to copy and to imitate. But my need is probably not the same as yours exactly. Generally it is. But specifically it's not. You know, if you're 28 and I'm 82, let's face the fact, we have a somewhat different living situation, don't we? And I've been in the recovery 55 years. And that was before your parents were even born. And so, don't just do something because you heard Ron Kangas did it. If the Lord leads you, then you also one day might get ready, spend a few weeks or months in 1 John, the epistle of 1 John. I I need every verse in that book. I'm not close to absorbing it. If the Lord desires, and I'm still here in a few years, they have a conference on that. That's up to him. But I need every word that my spiritual father, the apostle John, wrote down in relation to him. I'm one of his little children. He said, little children. And it's so sweet. It'll make this the center of my day. I'm not individualistic. But sister, this is what is going to meet the need in your question. Okay, here's a sister. The question is, she's she's quite worried that she's not walking on the narrow way. And the reason she's worried is that often she feels happy about certain things in her life. So the enemy is troubling her. You're feeling happy. Oh, that because you just love your soul life. And you're just enjoying happiness for yourself. Just be happy. Just be happy. Don't analyze why you're happy. That doesn't mean you're not willing to lose your soul life. If you were not willing to lose your soul life, you wouldn't have asked this question. And so it's okay to be happy. And this one... Uh, left her job to get further education for another profession, and has the peace to do it. Well, when I was forty-eight, I had the feeling to do some graduate study. It was the time I could do it. I was encouraged to do it. My daughter wrote at that time. It was letters, old-fashioned stuff. Letters. Have you ever got one in a thing called an envelope with a with a stamp on it and handwriting? Okay. She said, Dad, you need to write essays on those topics that you want to think yourself through. You need to do that. Then I decided to finish it. And I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well get a master's degree for whatever reason. So then I wrote the thesis. And I dedicated it to my daughter who wanted me to write it. Dedicated to my wife, who was glad I finished it. And I was happy. And I didn't analyze the happiness. Oh, if I'm really experiencing the cross and really growing in life, I will be miserable. I will be sad. I will be depressed. No, that's not a sign. You want to know the sign that you are living in the reality of the kingdom? Romans. 14 16 the kingdom of god is righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit and so sister if the lord knows this is just natural joy or you have you have happy genes okay you're genetically happy okay this let it be the lord will touch it And replace that kind of happiness with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So don't be bothered. Just be happy until you are fully joyful. Okay, where do I go from here now? Okay, let's see. Okay, and this is another one concerning prayer. Considering everything going on in the world and how it is getting darker before the Lord comes back. We don't want to pray against what the Lord is doing. Since we know the age is degrading and perverting. How do we pray to cooperate with what the Lord is doing as the age gets darker and darker? Okay. This is a very good question. <clears throat> if we are to really prayer. We have to come to the Lord. Calm. Peaceful. And quiet inwardly. With our mind. And our emotion. Subdued. Because. An active mind. A disposition that's quick, stirred up emotion, can produce prayers that are not prayer. But if we come to the Lord, just with the heart, Lord, for the next 10 minutes, I would like to be with you and serve you in prayer. And now I'm coming through your precious blood with you as the reality of all the offerings And I'm here, I want to pray in harmony with you. And what's in my heart is that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I encourage you to read the dear one who asked this question. The first chapter and maybe the second chapter of the book Lessons on Prayer. And maybe read over the outline from the last itero on prayer, the meaning of prayer and the purpose of prayer. And so when we come to the Lord with the intention of praying for his interests, for his will, then we open up to receive a transmission from him and he will give us the sense To pray about this. Now at other times. We need to pray in a very different way. Please don't lock yourself in. In a kind of small prison cell. Sometimes you need to just talk to the Lord. About your need, your situation, what's going on. Paul says this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious. Let all your requests be made known to God. This tell him. Lord, how long? How long will this health condition remain with me? It's just getting harder and harder to bear. Make a request. Please do what you need to do. I can't go on with this. Oh, Lord, I'm so worried about my spouse or my daughter, this situation. You don't have to always be engaged in spiritual warfare and governmental prayers. This is your personal interaction with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm just here to receive your dispensing, your shepherding. But the question involves the prayer that is for uh, the Lord's present need. And when we come to him and we open to him. Little by little, we will experience this through our intuition. He will make known to us what's on his heart. We just tell him. I am here. Opening to you. I'm alone, but I'm actually not in the alone. alone. I'm in the body. And I like to serve you and pray. And then maybe the Lord could bring something to you and you pray. Or sisters, I mentioned sisters first, and then brothers, you're just going through your day. But your intuition is keen. It really is. And here you are. You're cooking. You're doing something practical. And then for some reason. You just have some feeling. To to pray about a certain person. Then just do it for two or three minutes. This is the Lord seeking a channel of prayer. This while you're doing the dishes. While you're getting the children ready for bed. While you're reading at a red light. Because the cars in front of you were too slow in turning on the signals. And now you're stuck. You got another red arrow. Okay. Then as this comes up. You have a sense. Why do I need to pray about this country? Or you're there. And then it comes to you. Lord, pray. Protect Taiwan. You have so much there in Taiwan, Lord. Protect your churches, protect your people. Exercise your authority over the ruler in that big country to the north. These instances of prayers really are expressions of a life of prayer and are becoming persons of prayer. I don't say I'm a person of prayer. I'm a becomer and I'm a learner. And being a learner means I don't learn just from the Lord. I learn from my brothers and sisters together. Okay. Okay, What is the principle in bringing up certain persons, matters, or situations for prayer and fellowship versus covering and exposing them? We have to be very careful. In a, a typical church meeting, that at the very end of the meeting, maybe one of the elders would just point out, we need to pray for brother so-and-so who's critically ill. Then we pray. But in an open meeting, we shouldn't pray very many personal things with names. That has to be kind of in a vital group or just two or three. Where it's covered. And we have to pray for a person. As Brotherly taught us. Based upon the word. Not directly about the person. But within view of. The dwelling place of God. The kingdom of God. The all-inclusive Christ. We pray for others. And we pray about the situation. That will open the way for the Lord to move. But not give the enemy. An opportunity to attack. Here's another question about this. Sometimes we may have the sense that a specific situation, which may include a person and his activities, needs to be bound. How should we pray so that... uh, Where do I go from here? Anyway, the question is how we should be praying about this. Anyway, I can't find the other page. Well, consider Matthew 18. Two or three are gathered together by the Lord into his name. So they need us come together out of their own feeling. They were gathered together. And Brotherly refers to this chapter as a vital group in his final book. And the vital groups. This final Wednesday night meeting series. And now you are in the Lord's name. That means everyone is out of the self, And you are in harmony together. That means you are. In one spirit. And you are in one accord. One mind, emotion and will. You're in harmony. And then the sense comes. The heavens have bound this. And now our responsibility. Is to bind on earth. What the heavens have bound. No matter what it is. And no matter who it involves. The heavens have bound this. He needs earth to cooperate. We bind it in your name. And likewise, the heavens have loosed, have, relo- have loosed this. We also loose. This is a miniature of the reality of the body of Christ. <clears throat> These are God men in harmony. And I mentioned this before. This weekend. And i mentioned it on other occasions. I'm not limiting this to sisters. But sisters have a particular portion and function. With respect to the ministry of prayer. After. One of the apostles was killed. In Acts 12. And Peter was put into prison. The church in Jerusalem. Prayed. In a powerful way. For prayers. And they may have known. What the Lord told Peter. He will not go to be with the Lord. Until he's elderly. Then he'll be martyred. Now he's in prison. The enemy wants to kill him. And we know what happened. I won't retell the story. The angel comes and releases him. Then he realizes. This is not a dream. I'm on the street. I'm free. Then where did he go? He went to a certain sister's house where many were praying. I just look to the Lord that all over the earth in the Lord's recovery, there will be groups of sisters, two, three, that they come together, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's in person, it doesn't matter. They come together purposely. To pray. That's it. Maybe just 20 minutes. But I have become aware. Because sometimes. I'm in the house. When the prayer is going on in another place. And I'm so encouraged. I'm so uplifted. I'm so supplied. These prayers that are ascending. They're the prayers that are golden bowls. In. Revelation 18. Now the incense is being applied. To those bowls, and the throne, the government, will react. So, now some questions about shepherding and marriage. Um, here's a question it's kind of a sad situation. How can he share on how to help ones? That have gone through the FDTA. That have lost their function. They have become minimal Christians. Some rarely function and some are not too active in the church life. We pray for them. Try to reach out. But there seems to be a lack of openness. It is discouraging to see so many not functioning according to their potential. It is just not one or two. It's quite a few. I don't know the numbers. It could be 35, 40% of FTTA graduates. And that's why I told some of them, on certain, for certain ones of you, your two hours, uh, two years, sorry, your two years in the full-time training are somewhat like the Mormons when they give two years to go out proselytizing. You put in your two years, and now you just go back to what your goal is. Well, there's a couple things only the Lord fully knows. He's the one who searches the hearts. What has been their goal all along? Because some of them, I have to be careful here, but I also have to be faithful. Some of them have grown up. In Christian families. Church families. And they've been. Getting a double teaching. From their parents. And from the culture. Of their family's background. And that is. We are Christians. We're in the Lord's recovery. We are in the church life. But don't be extreme. Don't be extreme. You need to get the highest education, to be quite affluent, and get married, have a family, get a nice house. And please don't go far away. Please don't go on one of these journeys to another country. Just live 10 or 15 minutes away. And we can, I mean, the church is here. This is a two-sided message. This is what's in them. I want to be, quote, balanced. I want to be, quote, practical. It's those unbalanced ones that they go to other parts of the world and live there. They bring their family to another country where the Lord's moved there. That's extreme. And now I'm being very, very straightforward. In effect, they're saying, just stay here in Laodicea. Let's just stay lukewarm. Lukewarm. So we don't know what their constitution really was. And then others, now they're in another realm. They finished law school. Their first job. It's long hours. It starts out with 100K. And they've got so much opportunity to develop. And they use a word I will never use. My career. And I I remember one dear brother. His parents are so dear in the church. For decades and decades. And he decided not to come to the training. We respect that. Whatever, if it was the Lord's leading, we don't know. But what he said openly was, my career. Did Daniel have a career in Babylon? He didn't have a career. He was sent there under God's sovereignty. But he had a responsibility as an employee of the government. That brought him to the highest levels in that government. Even when the kingdom changed to the Medo-Persians. But the king said to him. When he was about to be put into the lion's den. The God whom you serve continually. Will rescue you. He's working full time. At a very high level of responsibility in the government. But the one over him, the king says. You serve the living God all the time. Then in the morning, he called him. Daniel. Servant of the living God. This is the testimony. We can have. I mentioned this. I began to learn this from the first time. I visited with saints in Taiwan. You see many very highly educated physicians, university professors. One brother was the head of the Taiwanese version of the FBI. And all of them living to the Lord. All of them a living testimony to the Lord. All of them serving the Lord. To me, what a pattern this is. But so many of the saints, they got distracted. They got let us away because of their love of the present age. Their desire to be something. Some of them still have the love of money. Some are driven by Anxiety. Some are under the control of dominating parents, even though they're in their 30s. Which is why, on rare occasions, I asked some, at what age are you free to make a decision by yourself, yourself? And so there are various reasons for this. And actually, to recover them, the Lord has to touch the root of their situation. And you may not be able yet to discern it. To be aware of it. Depends on how much they would, they're would, they comfortable with you. And open to you. You should never make anyone a project. We care for them. We love them. And sometimes we just come. We can say this purely. Can we come together. And just. Uh, go to Baskin Robbins. And have some of the ice cream all ice cream together can we just take a break for 20 25 minutes and you say how come i just said i just like to be with you over ice cream and you mean it and they test you but this involves prayer this involves fighting this is the enemy's stratagem and i mentioned this in another occasion but maybe not among you saints The author of the Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote another book, actually more than one other book, and he wrote a book about how the enemy has a plan over several years to gradually take control over certain believers, little by little, step by step. They don't even know they're weakening. They're being distracted. They're being preoccupied. The Lord might have a seven-year plan for Sister A, graduating from the training. Oh, now, you love the Lord so much. You pray. You testify in the meetings. You have Holy word for morning revival. But I've got a plan. when you've got this good job. And now you've got a, a husband who loves you. You've got a family. you got a very nice house on Malibu. You're so content, and you will just be lukewarm. The enemy is subtle. It's not always a direct attack. And those that have the burden for them first need to pray. They need to pray. And to the Lord will show what is behind this. And you will bind the enemy behind it. And you will claiming Christ's victory over that robber, that murderer, that liar. And you will claim, we, and the Lord will give you the, now the time. We release this one. Because the heavens have released. Now, another question, a very different one. On a very different matter. Uh, how do we help a saint who suffers constant depression uh, i have something to say within measure because i've had some experience of this i remember this is perhaps oh, 23 24 years ago a sister In the fourth term, almost ready to graduate from the training, came up to me after a prayer meeting and said, Brother Ron, I'm just so depressed. I just have this depression so much. And this is just a fact, saints. I could discern immediately this is not spiritual, this is biochemical. This is something in the body. This does not need a spiritual response. You need particular help. This doesn't mean that you are mentally ill. You need to understand. I didn't say this to her. I'm saying this to you. Our soul bridges the body on one side and the spirit on the other side. And so it's affected by both. And by what's taking place in our body will affect our thinking, our moods, our feeling. Even our body remembers a body of death. And the biochemistry can be the source of all of these feelings. And some saints want to spiritualize everything. Will you pray. And one sister in fellowship. With her husband, who's an elder, wrote to me an email about a sister who kept calling her when she was depressed, wanting prayer, wanting fellowship, wanting help. And it was draining this sister out. And I knew. And this is what I told her. I said, sister, ask her this question. Are you taking your prescribed medicine no i'm not well after you are back on your medicine then contact me again for prayer we have to realize our soul is being transformed but our body remains a body of sin and death until we're transfigured And in our body, which is of death, there's the source of many conditions that affect our emotion, our mind. And if we try to just spiritualize them, oh, pray, read more, call on the Lord 10,000 times a day, do this. This may be uttered with a good heart, but it's off the mark. We need to take care of our body in the best available way that works for us. In Whichever way you take, I just will stand with you. You say, I don't trust the medical system. I'm going to take these kind of health foods and this kind of exercise. And I would say, the Lord bless you. Please realize. Transformation of your soul is not going to deal with The depression. It's biochemical. It's in your body. That is why. Every once in a while I say. For decades. After not exercising at all. Because I had the wrong sense. This is not spiritual. I realized no for my health. I need to do this. That I'm not like. Younger brothers. Lifting weights in a gym. Before a full length mirror. To buff up. My exercise. To stay alive. To have health. It's good for my spirit. It's good for my mind. And I need help. To do it. Well. This is what I'm trying to say. We're not able to help someone. Who constantly is in depression. Because it's probably not a spiritual matter. You could be. As spiritual and mature as brotherly and sisterly combined. And you still cannot do this because you have realized. This is something that requires you to take care. Of your physical health. In the way that you sincerely believe is best for you. And this is indirectly saying let's stop. Promoting. This or that thing for others. Oh, take these pills. Follow this diet. If someone asked you, there's one elderly brother. And I just asked him for help and fellowship. How do you maintain your energy? How do you preserve your health to this age? And he shared some practical things to me. They weren't spiritual. I learned from this elder brother high in the 70s. Who was still running around the track every day until his body gave out. And so this is quite widespread. And there are cases where we are, you could say, saddened or depressed spiritually because we're personally disappointed at something. Mainly we're disappointed with ourselves because we thought we'd be better. And we haven't realized we ain't going to be no better. At all, we're going to be transformed and renewed. And so we're not disappointed with us. Rather, we're happy with the Lord. Okay, a few more. This time allows. Oh, okay. Now, oh, this is a hard one. Marriage. Married life. As a young, single, working sister, how should we pray and fellowship about wanting to be married? In a proper and practical way. A similar question. A lot of sisters, 33 plus single sisters, have desires to get married. But in our locality, there are very, very few single brothers. And during pandemic, there are no blending, so that we can get to know people in other localities. Some sisters tried online dating. uh oh! But still wanted to marry a brother. There's a lot of conflicts within and some of us feel it becomes a hindrance for us to come to enjoy the Lord. Please help. Another related question. I'm a young single sister. The Lord hasn't opened the door of marriage to me yet. I have not and, and still struggle. Okay, with certain matters. Uh, how do I go on? Okay, this is really the most difficult Personal need among saints all the time. And uh, very often when I check on my email. And then I'm happy to see. Oh a picture. And uh, a message. And the picture is a brother and sister. They're so happy. And the dear sister always has her hand. On the brother's chest. So that we can see on the ring finger is a metallic circle with a mineral on top. And they are so happy. He just proposed to her. And they wanted to just share our joy. And so I had the same two-fold reaction every time. Joy. And relief. <sighs> One less burden. Because the dear sisters are bearing quite a heavy weight on this. They are. And I have no solution. I know one sister I was asked to go to a certain country in Europe. Because I was in Russia and I was going to be there. And they asked, would you have a meeting, please, with the single sisters in our country? I thought, whoa. I would rather preach the gospel to penguins in Antarctica than to try to say anything to these dear sisters. Because I wasn't going to be there and just talk in pseudo-spiritual language. They're in pain. And they told me the ratio of brothers and sisters in that country. 20 sisters per brother. And so I'm sharing some of the things that I'll try to share in the next five minutes. To encourage them, to comfort them about what they can do. And after about half an hour, a sister came in, obviously very strong. Interrupted the meeting. Stopped the meeting. Criticized me. She said, I have prayed all the prayers I'm going to pray. I have shed all the tears I can share. I'm going to get married. I'm tired of hearing these kind of things. She didn't know what I said, but she thought it was just nonsense talk. She said, I'm going online and I'm going to present myself. And I'm going to find a husband online. Well, as I'm listening to her, I couldn't help but wondering, uh, well, it's no wonder why you're still single. I mean, it would take Hercules to be able to <laughs> subdue you. Anyway, I didn't say that. And uh then she told me about a sister in her locality who did this. She went online. took the picture of herself. Shared so many things. Said she wanted to be married. And she got a husband. A Muslim. Contacted her. She married the Muslim. Gave up her Christian life. Her church life. Now she's married. She has a child. And so how can. We recommend that way. Now it comes to a combination of the prayer side and the practical side. I tell the trainees if they want to know anything about what I think and feel about courtship. If God the Father is not the source of your marriage, of what will he be the source in your Christian life? Please bring this matter to him and ask God the Father to meet your need according to his will and desire concerning you. And do not allow yourself or anyone else to be the source. And you wait on him. And then the prayer follows, Lord, your choice. I want to be like a Rebecca. You make the choice. I want to drop my expectations, my requirements, my standards. I trust your choice. You are the best matchmaker in the universe. And then how will this work out? Here's where I get somewhat aggravated. Possibly wholly aggravated. And I just would like to say. I wish I could say to the whole earth. Young brothers. Be men. Be men. Take action. Pray. Act. Follow the Lord according to God. Be a man. Okay, I'm old fashioned. I think all brothers should be men. Since that's what they are. You seek the Lord. You get the Lord's leading. You get the fellowship. You risk the first step. But uh, it's not easy to help some of these brothers. We don't want to push them. But that's how I feel sometimes. Don't you have a need? Isn't there a longing in you? Don't you feel incomplete? Anyway, it's not a brother asking the question. This were a brother. Brother to brother fellowship. We could really be direct. But also practical in guidance. Now, regarding being limited. There are hardly any single brothers. We can't blend. Okay, I'm taking a little risk here. But I just will trust you with it. Let me give you the illustration first that will imply, that will indicate the principle. I'm aware of this sister who graduated from the full-time training. She's serving in the Living Stream office. And here is a brother who also graduated from the full-time training, clearly in character and person. Is an excellent brother. She's in California. He's in Michigan. And I just have. a Long lasting sense. I think there would be a good match. A good match. And I just had the sense. Lord give me the opportunity. To approach the brother. And I'll tell you in a moment. What I did. But the sister. Was the brother of the daughter of one of the co workers. So I wanted to honor both. And I knew she had the longing to be married. And I knew that she knew who this person was. And after, really, this is a few months, I just gently asked her, so and so, how would you feel if I contacted brother so and so? And ask him to pray and consider contacting you and having fellowship. And she was peaceful about that. And I asked the same of her father to honor the father. And so not too long after that, I went to a certain part of country in the old days when I could fly. And did fly to the conference. And he was there. And after a meeting, we talked. For less than two minutes, and I just said, "Brother, there's something I just would like to present to you for you to consider if you want to. Would you consider, would you pray and consider um, having some fellowship with sister so-and-So? I think she would be open to that. That's all. no obligation, no manipulation." Then about a week later, he contacted me He said, I feel good to do this. So I contacted the sister again. And I told her the brother would like to initiate contact with you. And maybe at home she was leaping and skipping with joy. But anyway, she said to me with a smile, yes, he can do it. I said, is it okay if I give him your email address? Yes, it is. So I contacted him, given the email address to make the story short. The contact began by email and phone. The contact developed through personal visitation. It continued with the brother having the leading to move back to California and serve there. They had a courtship. They got engaged they got married they have two children and they're really really happy and there have been other times when saints do not manipulate the sisters may have the perception they may have the intuition about it but very often they don't have the wise way to work it out but if they coordinate with a brother Who's not subjectively involved. I know of another case. A sister. In Washington D.C. A brother. In California. They didn't know each other existed. But there was just a sense. If they met. They would be. A match. And they met. And they matched. And they got married. And they had a family. And then one other time. Uh, This happened after the Memorial Day weekend conference in 1978, a long time ago. After the meeting, this was in a hotel in Atlanta. I'm walking by and I see a brother and a sister sitting at a table actively talking to each other. And I knew both of them. And Both of them wanted to be married and they're longing for a courtship and they had something fall apart. Because it wasn't of God. And then I just. They both knew me rather well. And I just paused. And I spoke to her. I said how do you feel right now? You feel good right now? She said. Really really good. And I said. So do I. Now how did this happen? How did this happen? Because. A brother, oh, in his middle 50s, mature, experienced. He went up to this brother after the meeting. He said, Come here, brother, so, so and so. I want you to meet the someone I want you to meet. And he walked over to where she was and said, Sister, so and so. This is brother, so and so. Brother, so and so. This is brother, so and so. Then he walked away. They're sitting down. And that's how it started. And they got to speak the message. At their wedding. And so there may be ways. In which. The Lord will use the body. As long as. We don't repeat. What took place. In Seattle and elsewhere. Where one strong woman. Manipulated. Dozens of marriages. And then in order to have more followers caused almost 50 divorces. I'm not exaggerating. So that shows how the enemy uses it. But there's a time in the body. And again, years ago when I'd be traveling into Europe a few times a year, I told one sister longing to be married to let her know you're still in my heart. Uh, I'll do what I can I said I'm going to the, the Northern Europe And I'm going to find a big Strong Viking man For you To be your husband Well I never found him But the Lord had another way So I'm speaking somewhat lightly of this But there's There's no simple solution But I want to say one other thing. I know the time is... We just have 10 minutes. And there's no way I can come anywhere close to covering all of these. I have to follow the leading on what seems to be crucial. That... um, We just... Need to be open. There's one one other way. I can't say... Promote this or not, it just happens. I know of many situations where sisters, unmarried sisters, met a certain man at work. They were working together. And there was a feeling between them, an honorable feeling. And they just began to spend time together, to go out together. And, of course, the sister brought it into fellowship. But she had already made something so clear to him because this was developing. and There was reason for it to develop. She said, look, you need to know what I live for and where I live and what I do. And I am living for Christ and I'm in the church life. And I will not give that up for anyone or anything. But if you want to marry me, because I do want to marry you, I need to be able to continue this way. And I spoke at weddings, one of them interracial. And it wasn't that the brother said, okay, I'll just be nice and Come to one meeting and now I'm in the church. Now I'm married and forget about it. No. The sister was wise. He saw something. He gave himself to the Lord. Then now for decades. They've been going on together in the church life. That's why sometimes I've told sisters this. I hope you'll understand why. The new Jerusalem. Has 12 gates. Just don't compromise yourself. But we should com- be delivered from the legality that your brother has to presently be in the Lord's recovery now or you're lost for the rest of your life. Who are we to say this? There was one sister that was in Irving, Texas. She had returned to Irving, Texas from the training. She was serving there full time. And then she was gone. She was gone. Then about two years later, she appeared on the Lord's Day morning with a man, which is her husband, whom she brought to the Lord, whom she brought into the recovery, into the church life, who matches her now. And then Brotherly asked me to move back to Anaheim, And now I'm serving in the full-time training. And the fall training is about to start. It's the pre-training week. And here is a new brother in the training. The husband of this sister who left the church for a year, found a husband, brought him to the Lord, brought him into the recovery. And now he's here. He went to the training full-time. Then they went to far away in Europe somewhere. To serve. I'm not saying to any single sisters. Leave the church for a year. Go seeking for a husband somewhere. I'm just saying. Let's pray to the wise sovereign God. To meet the needs. Of our dear sisters. And surely there's a need. That matches in the brothers. For them. To. Have a counterpart. Now. I'm going to say, I'm going to conclude with this. Maybe it's not the happiest, but I feel I have to mention it because it's not really a question. You'll see something else about it Friday. You alluded to a situation in 2018 where attendance looked low on the Saturday night meeting. And then certain working saints were seen at an NBA game. You mentioned this subsequent messages as an example of working saints lacking vision. Aren't there legitimate reasons for this happening? Maybe those saints were with new ones at the game and watched the recording after. Maybe the messages just weren't helpful. What about that situation gave you concern that the saints here lack vision? Well, I'm not defending anything. I'll just say this. I didn't notice their absentee. One of the co-workers and elders did it. And he went online. And it was just one couple at the NBA game. Others were doing the different things that I mentioned already in the message last night. And so this is an indirect criticism. It doesn't bother me. It just bounces off. There's a shield protecting me. It just bounces off. I'm not bothered, but I'm concerned for you, especially when you say maybe the messages just weren't helpful. You may be on the way of experiencing a prophecy fulfilled in 2 Timothy 4, the time will come when they will turn away from healthy teachings. They don't want to hear healthy teachings. Their ears are itchy for a kind of teaching that they really like. Well, this is full of maybes. Maybe they were at the NBA game. And in between the halves, they knelt down and prayed or they pray red verses. Or they preach the gospel. The people sitting them in the stands. I doubt it. Or maybe they. Went to do fancy dancing. And after they danced. They sat down. And they had their vodka. Or whatever. And is reading a life study. I know this has happened. I'm kind of making. Lightheartedness of it. But dear one. You don't understand. At least. Maybe you've changed your mind after the last night message. You don't realize what's behind the scene. It's not just a matter of vision. It's a matter of loving the present age. Of loving the world and loving the things of the world. And of being a two-hearted person. Having one foot in the church and one foot in this generation. And the motive for mentioning it is not judgment. I believe many can witness. The spirit witnesses. It's a loving concern for them all. And so. I just need to stop here. Uh, It's. Just a couple of minutes before nine o'clock. This is all I'm able to respond to. I leave the uh, email door open in this way. If you really want me to respond to a question, this will be an exception. I will respond to an anonymous email so you can remain covered. And as I'm able, I will respond to it the best I can. And so this is this year's question and response. Uh, I don't know how you feel. I feel peaceful, Mm -hmm. feel restful. And uh, we just bring all of these, the ones who ask these questions in our heart, we just bring them to the Lord for prayer, that he will shepherd them, save them, Comfort them, encourage them, grow in life, and make them living and functioning members of the body of Christ, ready for rapture. So this is how our weekend ends. Amen. To me, it's been a blessed time, a blessed time being with you. May the Lord bless you all in every way, at every time. In every situation. Until we are raptured together. Blessings upon you. Amen.